You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. This week, we're going to take a deep dive into what the New York Giants are doing here this offseason as Eye on the Enemy takes a close look at what all of our enemies are doing each and every week here during the NFL offseason. And uh, this week, we're going to turn our attention to our friends up north, the New York Giants, and we're going to talk to Ed Valentine, the editor of Big Blue View. He's going to give us the skinny on all the free agents the Giants have signed so far and what their plans might be for the NFL draft coming up. The Giants hold the number four pick in the draft overall, and so they are in a great spot to either help help themselves with an elite talent or trade down a couple of spots and uh, pick up another another second day pick or something like that. So, and I really like what the Giants have done here so far this offseason on the free agent market. I just think this is this is a team that is on the way up. It's getting better. They're a little bit ahead of the Washington Redskins right now in terms of their rebuild and so uh, the Giants are not going to be an easy team to beat this year. So let's go ahead and welcome Ed to the show. You can follow Big Blue View, the SB Nation Giants site at Big Blue View, and uh, you can uh, read the, all of Ed's great work at BigBlueView.com. You can also follow Ed personally at Valentine underscore Ed, although he says he does most of his tweeting from the at Big Blue View Twitter handle. Ed, thanks so much for coming on Eye on the Enemy. How are you? Good, John. Thanks for having me. It's a, it's good to talk to you, and I got to tell you, I, I as I did a podcast last week uh, looking at all of like the top five moves that each of uh, the Eagles' uh, divisional opponents have made so far this offseason, and I really like what the Giants have done here so far, uh, especially in free agency. Um, I mean, you all had a ton of money to spend this offseason. I think you had about, what, $80 million in cap space when this offseason started? Close to that. Now, now wait a minute. Wait a minute. Am I actually yeah. hearing praise for the Giants, you know, <laughs> fr- from an Eagles guy? At least for me, uh, because I just I, I I like I like the guys you've targeted, and we'll go through them one by one here in just a second. But I really think I really think the Giants' offseason so far has been pretty strong. Uh, you know, it's 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 been interesting. They did have money to spend. You know, as a generic comment, we can argue about you know whether each and every one of the players they chose was the right guy. But I have liked their approach so far. Yeah, I mean, I think the strength of the Giants towards the end of last year was the offense. Now, I'll, I'll get into that in, in just a few minutes. So seems to me that most of the focus this offseason has been on the defensive side of the ball, which I think was I think was the right thing to do. And I thought the most impactful move you guys have made so far this offseason was obviously getting Leonard Williams back on the franchise tag. Uh, it's the first time you guys have used that since 2015 with Jason Pierre-Paul. The team is still working on negotiating a long-term deal. What's the feeling around the team as to whether or not that's actually going to happen? Well, I I don't really know whether it's going to happen or not. I would think that the Giants hope it's going to happen, partially because they want to drive that that cap number down 
for the 2020 season. The franchise tag is, I think, $16.1 million. And, and that's a lot for a guy who who doesn't produce a ton in terms of, of you know pass rush statistics. Leonard Williams is such a, a, a controversial figure in the Giants fan base because of the way it came about with him being a Giant. Because, you know, Dave Gettleman made a, a very, you know, some people would call it odd trade for him in the middle of last season because you don't give up draft choices for a guy in the middle of a losing season, especially when yeah. that guy can enter free agency, you know, the, the following off season. So the Giants pretty much, in my view, they had to do something to keep Leonard Williams just to uh, to make sure they got something out of that trade. Now, you know, Williams is a good player, not a great one, you know, mm-hmm. at least in my view. I think he's an impactful guy, but he's one of those guys who doesn't, compile a lot statistically he's one of those guys who i think for whatever reason does his job draws attention makes guys around him a little bit better but doesn't really pile up stats on his own so so Mm -hmm. he's a he's a guy who's really divisive in the giants fan base it's interesting you know for me that you went to him first yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, knowing a little bit more about the backstory, I kind of forgot about the midseason trade last year. I mean, I, I do. we have a lot of players on the Eagles defensive side of the ball who who fit exactly what you're talking about. Like, they're disruptive, they're, they're, they're somewhat productive, but they don't rack up sack totals. You know, they don't, they don't rack up interception totals. They don't, not a lot of forced fumbles and stuff like that. But yeah, I guess I see what you're saying. Like, if, if you're going to invest that much in a guy like Leonard Williams, when you're a rebuilding team, you pretty much have to make it worth your while and get him signed to the long-term deal I just I like him as a player I think he's I think he's strong in the middle and I think he I think it kind of fits with some of the other moves that the team has made with trying to strengthen up the middle um, getting middle linebacker Blake Martinez from the from the Packers on a three-year 30.75 million dollar deal seemed like a pretty good move to me as well I know he's not great in the pass game but seems, seems like a guy who just racks up tackles year after year after year what's he going to mean to the de- to the defense especially coming from the linebacker spot and in the middle of the field so, you know, the thing about the Giants and linebacker is that it's always been, it's always seemed to be a position that the Giants are trying to piece together. They're always seeming to take, you know, leftover guys, guys other teams don't really want, you know, lower tier free agents, you know, guys in the back half of the NFL draft and sort of making do at that position. They haven't drafted a linebacker in the first round since Carl Banks way back in the early 80s. So, and, and they moved on this offseason from Alec Ogletree, who was a veteran player, a guy that was a defensive captain, but a guy who really, there were a lot of holes in his game in pass coverage and, and other things. So for me, the Martinez signing is an effort to really shore up that particular part of the Giants defense it's an effort to bring in a guy who can call the defense who can line guys up who has intelligence who has a real ability to to diagnose what offenses are trying to do Martinez in a conference call with New York media you know said that he didn't feel like Green Bay used him to to his best uh, to to his best ability 
he felt like uh, he, he said he felt like part of a cleanup crew because of the way that, that Green Bay played defense. He's been criticized for his tackles being too far down the field. And he said that he thought that was was part of the way the Packers defense was was structured, where he wasn't really allowed to attack at the line of scrimmage. He also said he felt like like, you know, he has a reputation that he's aware of for for not being great in pass coverage. And he said again he felt like like that was partially because of of the way he was used in Green Bay. So we'll see how that works out. I like the signing for the Giants. He's got familiarity with Patrick Graham. I I like having someone in the middle of that defense who's got experience, who's called defenses before, who has intelligence and and, and should be able to to help the teammates around him. Uh, the other big defensive move you guys made here so far this offseason is signing cornerback James Bradbury to a three-year, $43.5 million deal. Uh, Second-best corner on the market after Byron Jones. And I know the Giants were hot after Byron Jones. I know the Eagles were hot after Byron Jones. He goes to Miami. But James Bradbury, not a bad consolation prize, right? No, not a bad consolation prize at all. As you said, probably the second-best corner on the market. And it's interesting because Bradbury... In, in his introductory press conference with New York media, said that Dave Gettleman, who is an object of scorn for a lot of folks in the, uh, in the Giants fan base, oh, Giants yeah. general manager Dave Gettleman is one of the reasons he came to New York. Huh. Gettleman, Gettleman drafted Bradbury in Carolina. Bradbury has respect for Gettleman. He has respect for what Gettleman is trying to uh, – to get done in New York. Obviously, Gettleman likes the kind of player that Bradbury is. And it's interesting because the people I've talked to about Bradbury say that in addition to being a talented player, he brings something to New York that this young cornerback crew with DeAndre Baker and Corey Ballantyne and Sam Beal and Grant Haley and all guys with you know with one to two years of experience can really really use because everybody I talk to about Bradbury lauds the way that he works, lauds the way that he studies, he lauds the way that he practices and approaches the game. And a guy like DeAndre Baker, who you know there have been questions about his work ethic, there have been questions about the way he studies, there have been questions not necessarily about his talent but about the way he approaches his job. And, and a guy like that should really be able to learn and benefit from the presence of a Bradbury. Yeah, I mean, having that veteran guy, and also a guy that you don't have to, I mean, you, you can play a little bit more man when you've got a guy who's a really good shutdown corner. You don't have to play as much zone. I know the Eagles are hoping to be able to do that more with Darius Slay on the outside this coming season. Uh, really, it, that also helps out you know, the rest of the young defenders that, that you guys have in the secondary for sure. Um, the, another move I really liked you guys made, and this is kind of reminding me of the Marcus Golden deal you guys signed last year was bringing, uh, edge rusher Kyler Fackrell aboard on a one year, $4.6 million deal. I know there's a connection there between him and your new defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham. What are the Giants looking for in, in Kyler Fackrell? Because he did, his numbers weren't great last year, but he has had success with your defensive coordinator in the past. I think. A little bit of, of what you talked about with Fackrell. I think the Giants are hoping that Patrick Graham, who was Fackrell's position coach in Green Bay, 
in uh, 2018 when Fackrell had, you know, career high 10 and a half sacks, I think it was. Mm-hmm. I'm, I think the Giants are hoping that Patrick Graham, you know, can get something like that kind of production out of out of Fackrell, you know, in New York. You know, it's a one-year prove-it deal. The Giants did that last year with Marcus Golden who had had a 12 and a half sack season, I think back in 2016 before he got hurt, you know, and, and that was uh, in Arizona with James Betcher as defensive coordinator. Betcher, of course, was was defensive coordinator for the Giants the past couple of years. And, and Golden had a good mm-hmm. year under James Betcher. But right now there doesn't seem to be much interest from the Giants in bringing Golden back. Um a lot of people have talked about, you know, why haven't the Giants made a big offer for Jadavian Clowney? You know, right. why don't they trade for Yannick? I, I think you pronounce it Ngakwe. The I uh, think that's the, right. <laughs> the edge rusher. I I I just do the best I can with that name, to be honest yeah. with you. <laughs> I, I on my own podcast, I get accused of butchering it all the time. So <laughs> yeah, well, that's an easy one to butcher, no doubt. So we 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 do the best we can, you know. But yep. uh, but. Fackrell's an interesting choice for the Giants. I think the Giants are really still hoping that Lorenzo Carter, who they drafted two years ago in the third round, can take a step forward as a pass rusher. They were hoping for that last year, and, and it really didn't happen. You know, he's a he's an athletic, pretty talented player, but hasn't really become the kind of pass rusher that they hoped he would. They're really hoping for O'Shane Zimenez, who they drafted in the third round in 2019. They're really hoping he can take a step forward. So, you know, it looks like they're going to be pass rush by committee, pass rush by scheme, you know, hope to get a lot of it from, Mm -hmm. you know, from different sources, which oddly enough, or maybe not oddly enough, is sort of the way they've always done it in New England. Where obviously, you yeah, know, Joe Judge right. spent the last seven or eight years. New England has never had that that 12, 14, 15 sack guy, that one guy coming off the edge who who demanded a double team all the time. They did it as a team. And and there were a lot of years New England had a good defense and didn't and still didn't create a lot of sacks. So so maybe yeah. it's it maybe the Giants are trying to approach it that way, where it's not necessarily about the sack number it's about you know it's about you know having as many good players as they can compile and it hasn't just been on the defensive side of the ball. The, the the Giants have also made some moves on the offensive side of the ball, although not as high profile. Uh, Cam Fleming bringing him aboard as uh, a guy who can compete for the right tackle job, but uh, a versatile guy who can play guard as well. I know you uh, signed uh, the team signed uh, Colt McCoy uh, to be the backup quarterback away from the Redskins. Bringing they brought on Deion Lewis uh, to to back up Saquon Barkley at running back. What, what are some of the other moves? You know, if you could talk a little bit about those moves and maybe any other free agent moves the team has made that you particularly uh, have a particularly strong uh, feeling about one way or the other? Well, it's interesting. What I really want to talk about is, is the approach. And I think, you know, we can argue about is Colt McCoy the right backup quarterback? Is Deion Lewis the right backup running back? Was Cam Fleming the right guy to sign as a swing tackle and a possible starter at right tackle? You know, as we talked about on defense, was Blake Martinez the right signing at linebacker? But I think what the Giants have done here is they spent their the majority of their money on defense where they absolutely had to spend it. 
because of you know how poor they were defensively a year ago, their needs on defense, and also because of the way that the draft sets up. The draft sets up in such a way where if the Giants want an offensive tackle, they have the fourth overall pick and they'll be able to they'll be able to get one. They'll have their choice of the offensive tackles they want in this draft. They could use help at wide receiver. This happens to be a draft where there should be a ton of wide receivers yeah. available in the middle of this draft. You should be able to get guys in the fourth and fifth round who under ordinary circumstances in normal years, you know, would come off the board on day two. So I thought the priority was right. Um, I thought, you know, Cameron Fleming, I thought was a good signing because he can play multiple positions. If the Giants don't get the guy they want as an offensive tackle in the draft, he can be, you know, a stopgap starter and and do an adequate job. The one thing that, that we haven't talked about that I really liked going back to, you know, missing out on Byron Jones is the Giants didn't give out any contracts longer than three years. And, right. And they front loaded most of that money. So you know, one of the problems they faced the first couple of years of, of the Dave Gettleman regime, one of the problems they faced, and part of it, yes, was caused by trading Odell Beckham a year after signing him. But mm-hmm. one of the problems they faced was carrying a large amount of dead money. And the way that they've done this now if they want to get out from under the James Bradbury contract or the Blake Martinez contract or any of those contracts that are for multiple years, they won't carry a ton of dead money on the salary cap. So that gives them flexibility going forward. And I like that very much. Well, let's step away and take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll talk about what the Giants might be looking to do in the upcoming NFL draft. We'll do that up next here on Eye on the Enemy. And we're back on Eye on the Enemy, and uh, we're, we're talking about the New York Giants and what they might do here in the draft coming up next month. And we went over all the different free agent signings. They've really loaded up on defense. Uh, they've made some moves on offense. But the Giants have a plum pick here uh, in, the, uh, in the draft coming up in just a couple of weeks with the fourth pick overall in round number one. Then they pick number 36 in round two. Uh, they have a pick on, in round three, four, five, and six, and then four seventh round picks. So uh, the Giants have 10 picks they can make overall. What's the priority here with with pick number four here? I mean, I know you're not necessarily picking for a position necessarily, but I mean, you're going to have a ton of studs here. The Giants don't need a quarterback. So the the Giants, I think, are in a pretty good position also to maybe even trade down if there is a team that wants to jump up and try and grab one of the quarterbacks. What do you think the Giants are going to do right now with pick number four? Well, John, the trade down scenario is is very intriguing to me. For the simple reason that, you know, we talked earlier in the show about Leonard Williams and the Giants gave up the 68th overall pick, which is the fourth pick in the third round for for Williams. So they don't have a pick early in round three. They're still in a position where they're trying to build a talent base. You know, I would make an argument that there's more talent on this team today than there was two years ago when Dave Gettleman took over. But when you look at nine wins in two years, it's obvious that there's still not enough. There's still, you know, they still need depth. They still need help in a lot of places. They still need to increase that talent base. So if you can take that fourth pick and maybe even spin it to five for Miami and get a, a late 
a late second round or an early third round pick in addition, or, you know, spin it to Carolina and, and get a couple of extra picks. I like that for the simple reason that for me, the Giants have two directions they could go with this pick in the first round. And and the the first direction is to go and grab Isaiah Simmons, the the linebacker slash safety slash do it all defender out of Clemson. And and that's the way mm-hmm. a lot of people would like to see the Giants go. They could use that linebacker. They you know, plain and simple, they could use an impact defender. Yeah. But they drafted Daniel Jones a year ago. They have Saquon Barkley, who's mm-hmm. entering his third year and still obviously in his prime. And you don't want to waste Saquon Barkley's prime. And you also don't want Daniel Jones to get killed. <laughs> you, Dave Gettleman said this offseason that the Giants need to fix the offensive line. They need to give Daniel Jones a chance how to learn to play quarterback in the NFL while he's not running for his life. Right. So for me, the way I would do this is I would take at number four or – if I was able to trade down a couple of spots, I would be targeting whoever, you know, my scouting staff felt was, was the best of those offensive tackles. Mm-hmm. You take, if you think that's Tristan Wirfs, you take Trist, Tristan Wirfs and you don't look back. If you think that's Jedrick Wills or Andrew Thomas or Mackay Becton, you take that guy and you don't look back. You do what's best for the quarterback that you, that you put, you, you put the franchise in Daniel Jones' hands a, a year ago, and, and you have to help the guy. Yeah. Well, and you saw with Daniel Jones last year that I think initially that, that pick was panned by, I think, a lot of people, including a lot of us at, at BGN Radio and Bleeding Green Nation. And he really started to come into his own at the end of last year. I think his rookie season was exactly what you want to see from a, a young rookie quarterback. There was a lot of development that took place towards the end of the season. And I was really impressed with some of the games he had towards in the last month and a half of the year. Um where it looked like he was really starting to get some kind of a, a rhythm going with guys like Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard. There is a you know is 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 a good receiver. I mean they, there there are there is some talent there, and of course Saquon Barkley is is a game changer every time he touches the ball. So going offensive tackle there in the first round makes a whole lot of sense. Or offensive yeah offensive tackle whoever the best offensive tackle you can get there at pick number four or number five if you trade it down makes all the sense in the world. So if you go offensive tackle in the first round, you get you get Daniel Jones the help he needs in in round number one. What positions of need do the Giants have to kind of make sure that they get in on, on day two? Or are you just looking for best available impact player wherever that position might be at that point? Well, I think I think if you go offensive tackle in in round one, I think that what you're looking for, you'd like to supplement edge at some point. You'd like to find someone to be a free safety, a guy who can play single high and has the range to, to cover both sides of the field. I think the Giants are going to try Julian Love, who was drafted as a slot corner out of Notre Dame. He was moved to safety last year. I think he might get a shot at that role if they don't draft someone you know, over him. You'd like to get a wide receiver if you can. Um, I think that's another area they have they have Darius Slayton 
they have Sterling Shepard, but Shepard you know, missed a lot of games with concussions a year ago. So, so that's kind of scary. Golden Tate is still on the roster, but you guys know him in Philly. And, and Golden yeah. Tate is, I think, entering his, his age 32 season. And, and sooner or later, he's still a good player, but he's not what I would consider a, a top tier wide receiver, a game breaker. And sooner or later, he, he's going to lose a half a step and, and his production is going to drop. So you need to supplement that position. You know, but for me, I think at, at, at 36, I think, and, and, you know, late in the third round is their next pick. I would think that what the Giants will be looking for, as you sort of hinted at, is maybe the, the most impactful defensive player that they can get regardless of position, whether that winds up being a cornerback, whether that winds up being an edge guy, whether that winds up being another linebacker. The pro- I would just say that the most impactful defensive player they think is on the board. Well, that makes sense. I mean, when you're picking at 99, especially in the third, late in the third round, you pretty much are going with the best guy you can you can find at that point. But um, you know, I I guess the big question too, and I I've been reading some stuff about Gettleman and his future with the team, and uh, you're obviously more plugged into it there than than we are here. But Gettleman is obviously the target of a lot of wrath of Giants fans, and kind of a kind of the butt of a lot of jokes by other you know by the rest of the NFC East who who scoffs at some of the moves that he has made. And some are truly, you, 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 you know, you shrug your shoulders and try to figure out exactly what he was thinking. How important is this draft and this free agent class for Dave Gettleman's future with the team? Is, is, is he, is he in, in a dangerous situation if the giants don't improve markedly this year? The thing about it is look, Jay Glazer of the athletic, who's as plugged in or more plugged in than anyone in terms of of NFL sources and NFL information. Glazer wrote the other day that if things don't improve, you know, with the Giants in the 2020 season, that, that this is Gettleman's last chance, that they'll show him the door. And and I I can understand mm-hmm. that because they just hired a new head coach. Joe Judge is a 38-year-old first-time head coach. They're going to have patience with Joe Judge. If they don't think that Dave Gettleman is the right GM or if Judge and Gettleman don't see eye to eye or if it's just not going to work with Gettleman, they'll move on. I have always thought, as as this has developed under Gettleman for, for the last two years, I've always kind of pointed to this offseason with the cap space that they had, with the fact that they've had two pretty good drafts, you know, if they can have another one. That gives them a pretty good core of, of young talent that should give them, you know, if the free agents they signed this time pan out a little bit better than, than some of the ones they've signed the first couple of years with Gettleman, that should be a step forward. You know, at some point, at some point, you have to start winning football games. You can't be mm-hmm. building or rebuilding forever. At some point, you need to begin to show progress. And and I I do think yeah. that's the point that the Giants are, are at. The complication is the fact that they have a 38 year old rookie head coach with a new defensive coordinator, new offensive coordinator, second year quarterback, and you're not going to have an off season program. The complication is how does all of that impact the Giants' ability to be truly ready 
whenever the NFL season does start. That's a great point that I hadn't thought about, especially with rebuilding teams with young quarterbacks. For the you know, with the Eagles, they have an experienced coach, they have an experienced coaching staff, they've all been together for a while. Carson Wentz has been together with his with most of his offense for a while. It hasn't occurred to me that this this off season where they're not going to be able to really get together and do a whole lot, it hasn't occurred to me that it would be a big problem because the Eagles have a pretty well established base of players. They're obviously gonna add some players in the draft that they hope are gonna be really impactful. But yeah, for a team like the Giants, I guess that that is a really big worry. And, and it, the, the way you just described it, it sounds to me, I was thinking the Giants might be a team that can that can improve. If they get the guys, the type of players you're talking about on day one and two in the draft to go with the guys they've already gotten in free agency, I see a much better Giants team in 2020 than what we saw in 2019. But that doesn't take into account some of this, some of the uncertainty surrounding the virus and the fact that everybody has to stay home. Well, we had the opportunity to speak with Colt McCoy the other day on a conference call. And it was interesting because in looking at McCoy's career, I realized that Colt McCoy was in his second season in 2011, and he had been handed the starting job as Mm -hmm. quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. And what was 2011? 2011 was the lockout lockout. season. It was the last time there was an interrupted NFL offseason, the last time Basically, the teams didn't have an offseason. They showed up in training camp. And, you know, he told me, he said, you know, that's when I got my playbook was in training camp. He said that interruption was the worst thing that happened to him in his NFL career. You know, because wow. because he lost an entire offseason, you know, when he was expected to lead a football team. And and he couldn't get a playbook with, a, with I, you know, with a, he, what he said was a brand new offense. So, you know, so he has experience so that I took that as a warning you yeah. know that that this is problematic you know he happens to be a good guy I think to have on the roster to help J- Daniel Jones navigate this because he's been through it you know the Giants yeah. will at least have the opportunity I believe teams with new head coaches under normal circumstances are supposed to be allowed to begin their OTAs on April 6th which is next Monday um, and that's that's obviously out the door. But I, you know, from what I understand, teams are going to be able to at least, you know, disseminate the playbooks, do some some video conferencing to begin to learn the playbooks and 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 get to know each other and all of that stuff. But it doesn't replicate getting on the field. So, you know, so it, it's a real challenge for for a brand new coaching staff. Well, listen, Ed, I'd like to talk to you again after the draft at some point just to kind of catch up and uh, we can talk about what the Giants did. In the meantime, if you want to keep an eye on what's going on with the New York Giants, make sure you're checking out BigBlueView.com. Follow them on Twitter at BigBlueView and make sure you are reading Ed Valentine's work there because uh, that'll keep you up to date on everything going on up in New York with the Giants. Ed, thanks so much for coming on Eye on the Enemy. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. And folks, that'll do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. My thanks to Ed for coming on the podcast once again. I'm sure you already do, but please don't forget to check out the other fine podcasts we have here at the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. And more importantly, leave us those five-star ratings and reviews. Let us know what you think of the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. And thank you so much for continuing to come back and uh, and, and check us out each and every day. You know, I know the NFL offseason is, is going strong, but with everything going on in the world, it's great to know 
that you guys are still there. You're still listening to uh, what we have to say and uh, what we've got, the, the content that we're churning out. We are continuing to cover your Philadelphia Eagles here during this very strange, very weird offseason uh, that appears to only be getting stranger and weirder as the days go along. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I will talk to you all next time here on Eye on the Enemy. G-N.